sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Just how much did we miss sports? Well, ask hockey, ask the NBA, ask Major League Baseball. We got our full dose of it really for the first time in almost five months on Tuesday night. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia for the next two hours. We'll recap everything that happened in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, and of course in the NHL with one of the wackiest games we've seen in the history of the league. So good afternoon. Thanks for sticking with us here on the show today. I am Craig Mish. You can follow me on Twitter, at Craig Mish. You can follow my co-host on Twitter, Joe Pizapia at JoePizapia17. And we certainly had our fill, Joe, of sports yesterday, all day, all night, and hopefully in days to come as well. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What a night it was. Or maybe just good morning for everybody who stayed up to watch the hockey. I don't know how many overtimes can you have, but uh, certainly great, man. I said yesterday I was watching some playoff hockey on the weekend, and I told you it was infectious, and I hope that people are watching because there's just nothing better than playoff hockey, man. It is just a good time. And I remember some of those great battles that the Devils had over the years watching some of those great double and triple overtime games that they used to have back in the Scott Stevens days. And this was certainly one of them as well. Uh, five overtimes. Is that all, Craig? Just five? <laughs> yeah, that was it. And, and honestly, I didn't even know it was going on until the third overtime. And then people started tweeting about it. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I got to tune in now. And I watched the fourth. and. I watched the fifth, and you know certainly I, I don't even know how they ended up getting through it. We're going to have a full breakdown of this game coming up in just a minute. But let's go through some of the top stories today that we're following in fantasy sports and reality as well. The Lightning and Blue Jackets, of course, played that five-overtime thriller. No doubt it pushed a game back that's actually uh, started already an hour ago. So we'll update you on that game as well because of the late <laughs> finish. Um, okay, Aaron Judge hit his ninth home run of the season, so now he is the Major League Baseball home run leader. Charlie Blackman, meanwhile, lifted his batting average to 500 on the season. And you got to start asking the question at this point can he hit 400? Is it real if he hits 400? I'm seeing some tweets about he'll be the first since Ted Williams, but does it really count? We'll break that down as well. Uh, not great news for Ronald Acuna Jr., who got off to a slow start, then picked it up a little bit and has been off the field the last couple of days. He's having his wrist examined in New York, so we'll have to keep an eye on him and his availability for the rest of this week and maybe even next week. We'll see. Dame Lillard, 61 points. No stranger to big games for him. He had a big one again yesterday. Carmelo Anthony actually playing pretty well for Portland as well. Uh, Giannis, I don't know what was going on with him. It looks like Giannis just doesn't want to play in a game or two because that's what's going to happen here. He headbutted Mo Wagner. And a meaningless game coming up for them that he won't be able to play in because he'll be suspended. But he'll be back, of course, for the playoffs next week. I don't know what was going through his head when he decided to do this yesterday. One of the stranger videos you will see. And then in college football, this is just basically follow the, the bouncing football at this point because no one has a clue as to what seems to be going on. The Big Ten yesterday said they're not playing. The Pac-12 said they're not playing. The SEC and the ACC said they were. Uh, the Big 12 said they don't know. Today they say that they are playing. And, uh, Joe, the, the, it's just real messy at this point because as as messy as we thought baseball was, college football is like another animal at this point. 
can you have a playoff without some? Can you not have a playoff without some? I, I don't know the answer to any of this as to what will end up happening, but certainly as of right now, a couple conferences are saying that they're going to play on September the 26th, but we're obviously going to have to follow this to see what really ends up happening because certainly it will not be anywhere near what a real college football season is if you don't have all of the conferences playing. So we'll yeah, see. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and it's still six weeks away, so a lot can happen in those six weeks, both positively and negatively. But I think I'm with you. Is I don't think any of us have an answer to how this would work out with a championship. I don't have, think any of us know how this is going to work out, whether or not they could pull it off, or if they're going to get you know some sort of backlash from other organizations and other people, or perhaps the players themselves. Who knows what road we're going to go down here? But it's funny, this all started a few days ago, and we thought maybe let's see, let's step back. Maybe in the next couple of days, we're going to have more clarity. Craig, I'd be, I'd be surprised if we have clarity in the next few weeks with all this, the way this is going for sure. And, you know, just to touch on Charlie Blackman real quick, too, on the headlines, hitting 500, I don't care how long of a stretch or short of a stretch, it's an impressive feat. If he hits 400 in the season, I, I, it's not the same as Ted Williams, that's for sure. But certainly, Charlie Blackman has got to be one of the craziest stories so far to start this major league season. Yeah, we've seen batters hit 400, 500 over a period of time. It's just so magnified because the season started so late, as our radio listeners here on Sports Grid are listening in. And we'll follow Blackman as he goes, and certainly it's it's not insurmountable. Uh, I've seen players hit almost 400 at Coors Field over the course of 81 games. So as long as Blackman makes the most of the Coors games and then does well on the road, then there's no question that I think he can hit 500, of course not, but I think 400 is within the realm of possibility for sure. Now, going back to the game last night in the NHL, in case you missed any of these overtimes, it was absolutely wild as Columbus took on Tampa Bay. Five overtimes, Corpus Asalo set the record for saves in a playoff game. He had 85 saves in this game yesterday. I think I saw like 15, and that was it. Um, the game started at three o'clock Eastern and I was in the middle of like the eighth inning of the Marlins game. And I turned it over to watch, uh, overtime four and overtime five. And so it came on after the completion of the Dallas Calgary game. And it also delayed Boston Carolina to the point where they had to start their game this morning. So, um, it was well within the idea of watching the entire game. If you started off at three but watching six hours of hockey is not something that I think that anybody's going to ever be willing to do. But if you caught an hour of it, it was well worth your time, Joe. Well, especially if you caught maybe the last hour of it, definitely worth your time. But 85 saves, I think that number says it all. I can't imagine how exhausted that dude is right now. 85 saves. You almost have to do a double take when you see that number, Craig. It's crazy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I you get. You get to a point and you wonder how much longer can they play. I was glad it ended at five. We'll have last night's fantasy standout next. Don't go away on the grid. Diamond Bet. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
it's time to get to some baseball. We got this afternoon to talk about, and we're going to break down a couple of games. And those of you who are interested in getting down on some action, you may want to go over to the FanDuel Sportsbook, where you can bet right now if it is, of course, legal in your state. And even if it is none, you just want to check out the odds head on over there. And also to DFS, we'll get a DFS preview coming up a little bit later in the show. Also, our NBA tip drill is coming with Greg Sussman and Jeremy Stein. So stay tuned to that. That's in about 10 minutes from now. We cover it all here on the show. Uh, we're going to go through the biggest fantasy standouts and somebody that you won't see on this list that I wanted to bring up right at the top here, no question. Uh, Joe, another great start for Dylan Bundy yesterday, very late into the night last night. Uh, did not see the game, honestly, so uh, real hard for me to see. I I've seen him pitch before this year. I did not see last night's game. But looking at the box score and looking at the shutout innings that he threw, I guess at this point uh, I got to become more of a believer on him because it's what he's been able to accomplish since he's gone to the Angels. In no way that I ever see coming. So got to no, take that I, don't, I don't think anybody saw this level coming. So I wouldn't beat yourself up too bad about it. Uh, and I would say yesterday we drew a line in the sand. We said if you can go out there against a, a really formidable A's lineup and have the same kind of game that you've been having, which is dominant then it's time for all of us collectively to just let the past be the past and look at the present and potentially even the future. So before we get too much into the future with Dylan Bundy, let's live in the now and the present is dominant And the present right now. When you look at the stats, they are right in line. There with guys like Garrett Cole, with guys like Shane Bieber. Can he keep this up over two months season? I don't know. We don't know. However, we have to buy into it. And I think that's what was so dangerous yesterday is okay. This is a real test here. This is a really good lineup. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, some really big time bats. Can he go through this lineup three times and be really good? And the answer to that question was yes. So Dylan Bundy, I think, has earned a lot of respect here on this program from us. And I think going forward in DFS, I think I'm very comfortable with him in cash games, which is something I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. It's like a little word bubble right now. But you know what, man? The dude's earned it. He has. He's pitched great, and you have to start wondering about what's going on in Baltimore, honestly, with uh, with their lack point. of identification <laughs> on pitchers, for sure. Okay, let's get to some hitters and look at last night's Tuesday night's fantasy standouts. We've got games starting in about an hour, so we got to get right to this and through this. Eddie Rosario for the Twins, two more home runs. He now has six on the season. This guy is legit. Two years in a row, he's going to end up hitting a lot of home runs, even in this shortened season. Max Scherzer had a shortened start, but it was virtually perfect. Six innings pitched, one earned run, seven strikeouts, and picked up the important win for the Washington Nationals. So Scherzer is back. No issues for him. Uh, Jason Hayward doesn't make many appearances on leaderboards anymore, but he did last night. Two home runs for him out of nowhere. His first two of the season, three hits, and four runs driven in. I thought once upon a time Jason Hayward would have been a superstar. He's still a very good player, but not near what uh, we thought he would be, that's for sure. Uh, same with John Lester. What a huge surprise he has been this year for the Cubs. He's been their best starter. Six innings pitched, one earned run, four strikeouts, a win. His ERA is now 1.06. That is the best in the National League. Go figure that. Manny Machado of San Diego had a tough start, but he's picked it up significantly. Four runs driven in for him last night. By the way, Tatis didn't make the list. He had a couple of hits as well. And then finally... Eloy Jimenez of the Chicago White Sox had two hits, also a home run, and four runs driven in. And so, Joe, I, I think that we're now starting to see players that started off slow come alive a little bit. Machado was one. I think everyone knew Eloy Jimenez, what he could do and the kind of power he had. He's starting to come alive a little bit as well. Uh, and Eddie Rosario, it, it's impossible to deny this guy. He, he was really a big surprise two years ago and then followed up last year. And looks like he's going to do the same thing again this year for the Twins. 
Yeah, absolutely. Eddie Rosario right now is just 3K on FanDuel today, too, and a great matchup against a lefty and Eric Lauer. Really good ballpark factor again. And you can take advantage of that. You look, you know, there's like a thousand dollar variance between him and Nelson Cruz, but I don't think there's a thousand dollar point variance between the two of them in terms of potential productivity. So you have to keep that in mind. So you go right back to that well tonight, especially if Eddie Rosario's hot. When we were talking about short sample size seasons on this show a few weeks ago, we were talking about the 60 games into last year and who was at the top of that home run board. Eddie Rosario. And I think he just does not get enough credit there in a lineup that really has a lot of good talent on it. He's just another one of those guys, but really we should pluck him out and give him a little bit more love. I want to give some love also to Aloy Jimenez. Uh, he's also playing in the afternoon today. This is a great opportunity to get in on those White Sox bats today, this afternoon, if you're playing on FanDuel, because they're going against Matthew Boyd, who's been an absolute gas can and has given up home runs like crazy. Him, Abreu, uh, Robert are all in that three to 3.3 K range. They're all really useful here. And uh, look good to see Max Scherzer as well, getting healthy, getting six innings. I was a little hesitant, a little concerned yesterday going into it. Obviously we're all good now. I'm not surprised that they pulled him there in six innings. I don't think anybody was, why would you push him too far? Kind of gets lost in the shuffle there too, because you actually had a good start from Rick Porcello back to back good starts against the nationals for Rick Porcello. I guess anything's possible in 2020, Craig. Yeah, the Mets, uh, the Mets are going to need Porcello maybe to be their second best starter this year because they don't have Ugh. a second starter. So it'd be very helpful chill. for him. <laughs> for sure. Uh, look, in terms of being overrated or underrated, people have ca called Bryce Harper overrated for many years now. But look at the numbers that Harper has put up so far this year and doesn't even get a mention. 324, four home runs. He hit another one last night. Ten runs driven in, a stolen base. He had 15 st steals last year. His OPS is over 1,000. And he's homered in back-to-back -back games. But really the issue that is going on right now, unfortunately for Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies, is with all of these runs that they're scoring, uh, simply put, it has not been good enough for him to get wins. And the Phillies game was just so ugly yesterday. They kept fighting back after their bullpen kept giving up runs. They missed a ball that popped straight up in the air. Nobody went for it, and it dropped. They had somebody trying to steal home on them. It looked safe, and then, it looked, and then Real Muto ended up tagging them out. But the Phillies got to get this uh, corrected pretty quickly. And Bryce Harper last night after the game essentially said that it is all hands on deck and the home runs and all the runs they're scoring don't mean anything if they can't stop the other team. I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, win or go home pretty much. You know, with this 60-game schedule, we can't make mistakes. Um, we got to try to win as many series as possible. Um, and, you know, we got to count on the guys that we know we can count on. Um, you know, it's tough to, you know, go into the inning with, with a lead and, you know, lose a ball game. Um, our guys out there are trying as hard as I can. And, you know, that's all you can ask for them at this point. Um, but we need to be able to rely on them as well. You know, just like we need to be able to rely on me or anybody else in our offense or our lineup. Um, so, you know, I think uh, as a team, we just got to keep grinding, keep going out there. And, you know, it's it's a 60 game schedule, like you said. And we have to be able to count on everybody out there right now. Um, I'm going to struggle. There's guys on our team that are going to struggle. It's part of the game. But right now it's going to hurt us uh, even more if we do. And Joe, at this stage of the game with the Phillies, there's no question their offense is on par with any team in the National League and probably any team in Major League Baseball. Even Didi Gregorius is hitting the ball. Everyone on that team hits. But no one on that team pitches outside of Aaron Nola. Not a starter, not a reliever. And simply put, either they're going to have to make drastic changes pretty quickly or the Phillies are basically going to be a 500 team. They're going to win some because they hit. They're going to lose some because they can't pitch. And that's as far as they're going to go. I'll tell you what, the good news is yesterday, Bryce Harper was our big bat to pay up for and your return on investment. The bad news was Zach Wheeler 
let everybody down, me, everyone, in a start that should have been a gimme. He's facing an Orioles lineup that is nowhere near the caliber of some other lineups out there in Major League Baseball. And if you look at the body work of Zach Wheeler and you say, why is the ERA somewhere around four for his career? This is why. Because a guy who's going along pretty well gets into these moments in these games where it should be an easy six, seven innings flying through there, giving up two runs against a batting order that is look mediocre at best. And he doesn't follow through. This is why the Mets didn't want to overpay for him. This is why I think the Phillies took a huge risk here with Zach Wheeler. And you're right. Aaron Nola is the only guy who's been able to step forward so far in this rotation. And he has been everything you could ask for and more, but somebody has got to step up here. And the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde persona of Zach Wheeler really needs to be taking a task a little bit. And I'm sure he's taking himself to task. I'm sure he is not happy with his performance last night, but at a certain point in time, when you are making now this kind of big free agent money that he is, you have to transform those inconsistencies. You have to find ways to pitch three uh, through days where you don't have the best quote unquote stuff of your career. And that's something that time and time again, he fails to do. He struggles with location. He struggles with all kinds of moments here. And I'll tell you what, man, if I found the Phillies right now, I am frustrated with Zach Wheeler because this was the kind of game you should go in there against Baltimore, win this game, go to the next one. And now you put the bullpen that's already taxed already in a bad position in even worse one going into tonight. It's very frustrating. And I'm not even a Phillies fan. You can hear my frustration. Yeah. I didn't realize, uh, you know how upset you were with, uh, <laughs> with Zach Wheeler. You, you really gave up one big hit. I mean, the rest of the star was fine. It was for the bullpen that came in and gave up a lot. Him. And that's the thing. I've watched him so much over the years as a Mets fan. And what you see is good innings, good innings, and then that one inning. Or he, he looks like a dominant pitcher one outing and the next outing a mediocre one. And that's what's so frustrating because you see the potential. And it's just at a certain point in time, when do we say that maybe he's never going to reach that level? All right, we got the update next and then the tip drill. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of FanDuel, who's here to break down tonight's NBA slate. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. The regular season's starting to wind down, and we're looking forward to getting into the playoffs. The playoffs are going to be an absolute blast. I'm excited. I know all of our viewers are excited, and certainly the NBA fans are ready. But we're not there yet. We still have some DFS to play before we get there. So let's start off with tonight's slate, and we begin at the point guard position, where we're going to go into one of your old favorites here. It's Goran Dragic at $5,500 tonight, facing off against Oklahoma City. Why is Dragic your man here? He's got a very high floor and he recently moved into the starting lineup so look for him to easily hit value tonight is a little bit of a tricky slate what we're seeing with the indiana pacers is you're not getting clear information until shoot around so we don't necessarily know who's going to start who's going to get how many minutes so i think what you're going to see happen at this position is people are either going to pay up for russell westbrook or they're going to fall to somebody that's more value play like Goran Dragic and that's where my money will be this evening. Saving a little bit of money and going with Goran Dragic who as you mentioned moved into the starting lineup and is now a surefire bet uh, to get you that value and hopefully tonight is no different. We move on to the shooting guard position and last night James Harden rested tonight 
Well, he's ready to go, and we're going to take that rest and hope he plays 40 minutes and drops 40 for us. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, as you mentioned, he rested. Again, this is a play that I like over Russell Westbrook. Harden is by far the best player on this evening's slate, and I think that he's a must-start in all formats. He's got the highest usage rate by far on the slate, and you're seeing the depleted and questionable Indiana Pacers squad. If he gets the backups, there's a chance that he really goes off this evening and he could be the guy that wins you a GPP. James Harden, always a threat to win you a GPP or a cash game. He's the obvious big money play tonight, so make sure you get him in there. So it was literally two days ago now where Darius Basley just ran off in the first quarter. He hit value before the end of the first quarter. It was ridiculous. Tonight, he's a little bit more expensive, but he's still worth playing. Basley's $4,800 on FanDuel. But again, what he's doing right now, you have to get him in there. Of course, he's playing 25 minutes plus per game, even when he's not in the starting lineup. And he's averaging over one FanDuel point per minute, and he's scoring 19 points a game in the bubble. So he, at $4,800, is a must-start in all formats. He's a shoe into hit value. Even if it's a cash game lineup, that's okay. And it's not necessarily everything has to be contrarian, right? Like, we'll put him in there, we'll know what we're getting, and we'll just take it because he's been so good thus far in Orlando. Moving over to the power forward position, you've been all over this Clippers front court, especially Montrez Harrell out uh, due to a quarantine. This uh, this game tonight, we're going with Jermichael Green at just $3,800. Michael Green's always been solid whenever he gets an opportunity to play. And tonight, well, he should get that chance. Yeah, he's a complete player. He's a threat from the three-point range, and he also has a great inside game. So what we're going to see is he, again, is the beneficiary of Harrell being out. But what you're also going to see with the Clippers as we approach the playoffs is they're going to start playing their starters less and less. So I'm looking for him to have extended minutes into this run as the Clippers look to, you know, prepare themselves for the start of the postseason. The Clippers have championship on their minds, and they need to get their starters rest. Guys like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they're going to see less and less minutes until the playoffs begin. Jermichael Green should be in a good spot to dominate tonight. Just $3,800 here on FanDuel. One final position to get to, and that is the center spot. We want to talk about guys that always just go off when they're given the opportunity. That's Chris Boucher, man. He is a, just a, a value monster. Whenever he gets a chance, he goes off. He's $4,600 tonight as a starting center on FanDuel. Why is he your guy? So Serge Ibaka is currently a game-time decision with a sore knee. If he is out, expect Boucher to get the start. Either way, I believe that minutes are going to flow his way. Again, the Raptors, like every other playoff team, are going to start paring down their starter minutes. So I expect him to have another tremendous game. I think he's probably going to be a very chalky play. This is a position where you might want to pay up for Jokic, but if Ibaka is out, I don't see another way to construct a lineup without having Boucher in it. As we said, Boucher is just a monster when he gets the minutes. And, and tonight, price this low here at $4,600. It may be chalky, but if the minutes are there and Ibaka doesn't play, Boucher is just going to be a monster. Cash game, tournaments, you got to do it. And it can give you an opportunity to potentially get Russell Westbrook and James Harden into your lineup if that's what you're looking to do. That's going to do it for us here on the NBA Tip Show. Jeremy, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. 
Thanks. Good night to everybody. We appreciate you watching. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the NBA Tip Trail. All right, thanks a lot, Greg. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. Follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish at Joe Pizapia17. We go from the NBA discussion back to a little bit of baseball, and it's 2020, and so certainly it's a wild season and a wild world for everybody, no doubt about that. Uh, the tough lefties, Joe, in the past that were really hard to get hits off of, Chris Sale, obviously he's out for the year, David Price once upon a time, a Cy Young Award winner, Clayton Kershaw, who's still very good, but not quite the pitcher that he used to be. Those tough lefties are really hard to find at this point, and I think that what we're seeing so far is because of that and some of those main guys, those top aces that really don't exist like they used to, left-handed hitters are now feasting even on some left-handed pitchers, I would think. And so we're going to run through them here today and some really staggering numbers for those people who look at splits. Sometimes they don't understand them, and their splits could actually be reversed, which it looks like some of these guys have that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, I was kind of inspired by yesterday's glowing conversation about Charlie Blackman. Then I started digging into the stats about him, and I said, look how good he's doing against left-handed pitching, a 1,500 OPS, all this crazy stuff against left-handed pitching. And I said, I wonder who else is uh, doing well against lefties. And one of those guys is, happens to be Michael Conforto of the New York Mets, who uh, lefties have given him trouble in the past, but uh, last year made progress, and this year seems to be carrying that over. You can see that OPS well over 1,000 right now, uh, three home runs against left-handed pitching, which is really huge. You want to see those power numbers start to really emerge, so he's not just making contact, but also really strong contact against left-handed pitching. And he's been one of the bright spots so far on the Mets, which have been a very up-and-down team. And, you know, Conforto, in a way, Craig, reminds me a little bit of Moustakis, who also in early in his career struggled against left-handed pitching. But once he figured that out, was able to really take his game to the next level. I don't know if he's got Moustakis-type numbers in him, like 35 bombs, but I think this is a guy that, if this trend continues, next year becomes a fascinating player. Yeah, and, and look, the Mets, I still think, have a good enough team to stay relevant. And by the way, uh, Conforto hits lefties, he hits righties, virtually the same. He's a good player. He's had trouble staying on the field, different arm issues and injuries. But if he plays 150 or 160 next year, he could be a third-round pick in fantasy. I could see that happening. Uh, Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers, there was some thought that he would be missing some part of the season. But, of course, that hasn't happened. And Gallo playing in the new ballpark in Texas against lefties has an OPS over 1,000, Joe. Four home runs, eight runs driven in. And uh, Gallo is also one of those guys that he just waits for his pitch. If he doesn't get it, he's going to strike out. If he does, it's probably a home run. And this is the thing, you know, when you're looking and playing daily or you're in these daily transaction season-long formats, sometimes you just have an automatic knee-jerk response and you say, oh, well, he's a big-time power hitter, you know, has been prone to strikeouts in the past. Oh, it's a tough lefty on the mound. Oh, I'm going to take him out of the lineup today. Not that you would want to take Joey Gallo or you would fade away from him, let's say. But you know what? You shouldn't do it. Joey Gallo kind of bucks the trend here a little bit. And usually you get the big, uh, strong power hitting lefties and they tend to struggle against left-handed pitching. But you make a great point, which is the, the big time power lefties are not quite there like they were in the past. However, it's also a little bit of credit and some progress that Joey Gallo's made with his approach against left-handed pitching. And I think so far it's paying off. And that ballpark is something to keep in mind too and keep an eye on because on days where it's going to be hot and that roof is off, my goodness, it looks like the ball might jump out of that place.
And because of no fans, the Rangers have actually changed the game times of a lot of their games this year that happened yesterday. A lot of the games are going to be played later as opposed to earlier. There's just no reason at this point to have them early. Uh, Alex Verdugo of the Boston Red Sox, he wants to bat second in the lineup. Benatendi wants to bat second in the lineup. They both do the same thing, more or less. And the manager right now is having a hard time figuring out which one to put second because Benatendi is the veteran, but he's not hitting like Verdugo. So what do they do? I don't know. Maybe they just look at the numbers here and see Verdugo Against lefties is hitting uh, 935 OPS, 350 batting average, and 435 OBP. Uh, Joe, the, the Red Sox are a little bit of a mess right now, and I think that 2020 is sorting a feeling out process for them. And you can't have two lefties in a lineup back-to-back because essentially you're going to get to the late innings. And even with a three-batter minimum, some team's just going to bring in a lefty to face Benatendi and Verdugo back-to-back, and then guess what? <laughs> they're done. So uh, yeah. they're going to have to split this up eventually, but whoever ends up getting that spot is going to be worth more in fantasy. You're right. And if Verdugo keeps on doing what he's doing against left-handed pitching, I think there's a better chance of him being left alone in that spot. And here's a perfect example. Today, he's got a matchup against Blake Snell, right? So he's probably oh, just off the board in a lot of people's minds. But he's under $3,000 on FanDuel tonight. Blake Snell hasn't gotten out of the third inning yet. And on top of that, moreover, when you look at the OPS, you look at what the guy's doing against left-handed pitching. Guy's raking against left-handed pitching. So Verdugo should actually be on your GPP rosters and on your radar tonight. He's cheap. He's got a good matchup. He's hitting left-handed pitching. And Snell's not a guy right now who's looking to go six innings. And then finally, uh, let's hit on uh, Kyle Seeger for a minute here, who's gotten off to a great start. But we have seen this in the past from Seeger, and then he slowed down. Um, You know, Joe, I look at his numbers against lefties, and yes, they're real nice. But I I don't know that I could buy so much into him because, again, he's always really good for a month or two and then usually falls apart. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Uh, but it's only a month or two we've got a season, so all I'm doing is pointing out there's a trend right now. So ride this a little bit in daily when you can because it's a little oppo love there, lefty-on-lefty matchup for Kyle Seager where the ownership will be low in terms of percentage, but the productivity could be higher than you realize. Again, not a long-term thing, but a short-term thing to be aware of. All right, and uh, by the way, in terms of fantasy this year, none of the top 15 pitchers are left-handed. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. It is Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern, and hopefully you guys are enjoying your day. And it's going to be a lot more of it here this afternoon. we got Scott Farrell coming up later on on Sports Grid and SportsGrid.com, so make sure you stay tuned. And we're covering baseball here, a little basketball, and following the hockey game that's on as well. So updates coming throughout. Well, Chris will have the update in the next hour, give you the updated score on that game as well. Uh, okay, so going into the baseball season uh had a ticket had two tickets two big money tickets one was the over on uh, zach gallon's wins which i got my money back on that and then the other was the under on the giants wins which i got my money back on so those were the two bets that i was going to place before the season and then just before the season started two days in i looked and i saw belt and i saw that longoria both going to be out And uh, me and a buddy got together and decided, yes, let's go ahead and bet the under on the Giants again. But unfortunately, 
Uh, Vegas was not taking bets on the totals. We could not get the bet in. And so, therefore, I never had the ticket to show you guys. Uh, now, I still think that they have a really good shot of being the worst team in baseball. But thus far, through 19 games, take a look at this. The Giants are one of the bigger surprises thus far. They're 8-11. and 11. They seem to come back and win these games in strange fashion. A lot of 8th inning and ninth inning wins for them against really good pitchers and closers. Their team ERA is horrible. It's over 5. Their team whip is horrible. It's almost 1.4. They're not hitting the ball at all. But this seems to be the M.O. for the Giants, Joe, the last 10 years. You can't figure out how they're winning, and they end up doing it. But usually we would just pin that and say, hey, great manager, Bruce Bochy, has them playing hard. This year, there is not a single underlying number that would lead me to believe that they're only going to be six games under 500 at the end of the season, which is sort of how they're trending right now. I I still do think that they're going to be among the bottom teams in Major League Baseball, but they've had some wins against the Dodgers, and they're beating up on the Diamondbacks. And I just don't know really what to think at this point because they have played better than I thought. They have, but uh, I would also kind of agree with when you look long term, how long can you sustain this and uh, how many games are they going to win against the Dodgers? And it, to be frank, everybody's beating up on the Diamondbacks right now. So <laughs> Diamondbacks, I think you could circle them as perhaps the most disappointing team, I think, in a lot of people's minds. With that yeah. Bumgarner addition, uh, obviously, Robbie Ray has not been what you would expect out of him. Tinkering with that uh, wind up has not yielded good results so far. But the Giants are a bit of a conundrum. And, you know, it's funny. We experienced last summer, the Giants had a little bit of a renaissance there for right around this time, too. It was like July and August. It was in that period of time where all of a sudden, it's like Longoria started to hit. Uh, there were some really decent guys out there. Shremsky was good. And he started using these guys in DFS. And it was working because they were scoring runs. And everybody kind of was looking at each other. Well, I don't know how long this is going to last. But we're going to ride this trend as long as we possibly can. I would imagine at some point in time, this is going to rectify itself. And look, I, I think it's the play of guys like Solano and Yastrzemski that has really kind of carried this team so far. And I think when you look at the track record of these guys, it's probably not sustainable at quite the level. So I would still feel pretty confident that this team will finish where you expect them to. But I understand why it's a little shaky ground, at least at this point so far, because they have played better than people realize. But I would I would say, Craig, when you look at how well the Padres have played too, the Dodgers being the juggernaut they are, as more and more games of the schedule go up there, I always think they will play to the back of their baseball cards. So we just need more schedule, I think, to happen. I guess the question is, do you feel like there's enough schedule here remaining and the kind of schedule where you could see them falling under uh, where you need them to fall in order to make this work? Yeah, well, I, I do think that right now that win total is certainly in jeopardy because even if they finish 10 games under 500, uh, betting under on them, you would end up losing that bet. But uh, they have had some really big comebacks, including last night. Hunter Pence is back on the yeah. Giants. He's not playing a lot, uh, but certainly in the at-bats that he's had, they have been worth it. And Pence has basically said and talked in the postgame last night that the team has found a way to win these games, and a lot of them in late fashion. It's kind of been... Um, something that we've done pretty well here this, this first start of this season is, uh, you know, we've been scoring a lot of runs late. And, uh, you know, we do have a team mindset of, of, you know, keep fighting, you know, be scrappy as we can, grit it out and, and keep going. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to be, you know, I'm very appreciative of a lot of the, the teammates, even the starting pitchers and a lot of the guys that are coming out, uh, you know, and, and being on the side of the dugout and, and continuing to push and continue to bring energy even when we're behind. And, uh, you know, just having everyone 
with that mindset is really and, and, and just also just good at bats and guys grinding out at bats and trusting the approach and doing the work. So really a combination of a, a conscious effort and also just good work. And it does seem unrealistic that guys like Hunter Pence and players like Donovan Solano and Mike Estremski can just maintain this level of success over the course of the whole season. But the difference is, is that from a betting perspective, this is unexpected. And them being only three games under 500, extrapolating that over the course of the season, again, it's about six, seven, maybe even 10. That doesn't quite put it there. But it just goes to show you that what can happen in a 60-gamer, Joe, if you have the under on the Giants, if you have the under on the Orioles, if you have the under on the Royals and Tigers, you're just not feeling real good right now. That's just all there is to it. No, uh, look, looking ahead at this giant schedule, I'm also seeing a lot of games against the Angels and a lot of games against the A's. And uh, you would imagine that, uh, again, that will kind of help this total continue to be suppressed in terms of wins if you are indeed looking for a big under here. Um, and, and look, anything can happen in games in Colorado. We've seen that, and, and we've seen them be competitive there. But I think when you're looking at the long-term trend here going through the August schedule here uh, into September, looking at the Giants, you're seeing a lot of Padres, you're seeing a lot of A's, you're seeing a lot of Angels. And I think as long as those teams continue to play at the level that they're capable of, along with the Dodgers, that eventually some of these things that are starting off in this higher potential are going to start to marginalize and come back down to earth. And again, that's also part of baseball. So the hot streaks are part of baseball, the cold streaks are part of baseball. Um, and certainly, I don't know how much you can you know, put in stock of what is there in terms of starting pitching or even relief pitching for that matter for the Giants. All right, and speaking of the NL West, let's take a look at what the matchup will look like this afternoon. One of a handful of afternoon baseball games, very strangely for a Wednesday. Usually it's Thursday, but that's what we're up against today. A lot of two-game series going on Tuesday and Wednesday. And one of the, the matchups that looks to be very close today is Diamondbacks and Rockies because, simply put, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook is telling you that the Diamondbacks should be a lot better than they are. In fact, they're not even a huge underdog today. If you bet them, they're a favorite. Minus 102, Rockies minus 112. The total is huge, as always, at Coors, 11 and a half. Uh, Luke Weaver, what can I say? He's not good. Uh, Antonio <laughs> Senzatella, 2.65 earned run average. The Diamondbacks are in fifth place in the NL West. Uh, and Charlie Blackman, of course, is worth watching now every day because he's hitting 500, which has to come down at some point, but maybe not today, considering they're playing another game at Coors Field. And I know that we discussed Luke Weaver before the season, Joe. It's just, uh, you know, there's, you know, for me, once he was traded from St. Louis to Arizona, and I know he was part of the Goldschmidt deal. I just, I don't know. There's just always been something missing with him. I, he just doesn't have a put away pitch. And he's a lot better than a 12 ERA. I will say that a lot better. Sure. And and his ERA will be five before the end of the year. But uh, as Bumgarner, you mentioned, has been a big disappointment. Weaver has been a big disappointment. Ray has not been that good. And to me, when I look at Arizona, I still think that they're going to finish a lot better than they are. I think that they're close to a 500 team right now. They're playing like the worst team in the National League. And so if I had to pick a side today, I probably would take the shot and, and, take, uh, and take Arizona because that ERA cannot sit at 12 all year long for, uh, for Weaver. And Senzatella, we know, is their fifth starter. He's just a guy. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, Sensatella has pitched pretty well. well. The scary part is that this is in the daytime, of course, and we all know that that is uh, oftentimes where you get a lot of runs. Um, and if Arizona is going to pull themselves out of the muck, it's going to be on the back of Kettle Marte, I think. And it's also going to basically be on the arm of Madison Bumgarner. 
he has to kind of step up and be the ace, you know, and Gallon has pitched really well. You were very much on Gallon into the season. And I was a big fan as well. Weaver has been very frustrating because this was a guy that did pitch well at times last year, then had an injury. So you have to wonder, is it a health issue for him right now? And I'm actually kind of surprised that the Diamondbacks are favorites in this game, to be honest with you, because Sensatella has pitched. Well, they're, not, right. they're not. Well, well, hold on a second. They're not. Okay. They're, what, what happens is, is that when you have a line of minus 105 or 110, there is no favorite, essentially. It's just one team is favored more than the other. So the Rockies are minus 115. And on and on the flip, the Diamondbacks are minus 105. So that's always going to happen in baseball when it is so close. There's no distinct advantage. No, it's not apology. It's just to differentiate the two things. Yeah. And look, and look just, just going back to the Diamondbacks right now, too, uh, it, it really does begin and end at the top of that rotation. I mean, if Madison Bumgar can't get things right, and this was my big fear going into this year, when you have a, a mid-two ERA pitching in San Francisco and then a five-and-a-half ERA outside of San Francisco for a whole season, that's a red flag. Not over a month, not over a half, a full season. That tells you 15 starts on the road were not good. So something's wrong here. Something is off. I don't know what it is, but so far that trend is continuing now that he's left. And it's worrisome because now you're locked in here to a few years of Madison Bumgarner. And you have to start to ask yourself, is this a matter of just a guy in decline because he's pitched so many innings in a short period of time between all those postseason runs that the Giants have had? And look, I look at this game today, and I think the one thing that you like is – is potentially the over just because it's a day game in Colorado and you've got some formidable bats in this lineup. But at the end of the day, it's probably is a toss up because you don't know what Luke Weaver is going to show up. And honestly, I don't think Luke Weaver's ERA is going to be much better leaving today's game at 12 than it was going into it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, okay, a couple of other uh, notes from today's game. The Chicago White Sox are getting set to start here in about an hour. Yoan Mankata is not in the lineup today, just a normal day off for him. Also a normal day off for Yasmani Grandal. James McCann's a pretty good catcher, and he's going to be playing for uh, them as well. So get those guys out of any DFS lineups. And there is good news finally for the St. Louis Cardinals, Joe, who have played five games this season yes that number is five who would have thought two weeks ago if i would have told you that there'd be a team playing less than the marlins and it won't even be close it is the cardinals but the good news is is that they have had negative tests sunday monday and tuesday and so if they do not have any positive tests today major league baseball can get them back on the field within 48 hours which would lead me to believe that the cardinals could be back on the field friday which means for fantasy joe on Sunday, you got to pick up every Cardinal you can. That's healthy. I mean, I, I mean, just for counting numbers alone, I don't even know that you should even be looking at talent. The Cardinals are going to have to play eight doubleheaders starting Sunday. You're going to get more at-bats and more counting numbers from them than you're going to get from any other team in Major League Baseball. That's going to be my attack coming in on Sunday. Yeah, it's also a fascinating thing to wonder how the bullpens are going to react to this, how the starting pitchers are going to react. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to figure out. And we're all just trying to take our best guesses because this is uncharted waters here. Nobody knows. But Craig is right. At this point in time, you're looking for volume. You're looking for bodies that are in lineups. And if you're going to be playing 14 innings a day <laughs> for the unfortunate future. Seven and a half a day. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's just going to be more at bats. I think what it does, and, and if I may just kind of venture a guess here, I think what it does is it really makes a guy like a Paul Goldschmidt a target to a guy who you think is going to play a lot of those back-to-backs, a guy you think is going to get a lot of at-bats in a short period of time might be worth, you know, floating a trade or, or something like that, or looking a little bit harder at some of those better players on a team like St. Louis. Yeah. And, and if there was ever a time, and I know it's probably too late because everybody has Carlson and they know 
that Carlson's a, you know, a, a future prospect, a future star, and I don't think you're going to be able to get him from someone because they're going to have the same idea as you, but he is in now at this point. They do not have any other options. They lost Lane Thomas. They lost Austin Dean. Um, <laughs> they don't Unless they're going to venture to you know, somebody on free agency, which they're going to have to do at some point, they're going to have to replace, I believe it's 13 players. They're going to have a lot of options for you in fantasy for sure. Alex Reyes, by the way, is coming back for the Cardinals also this week, a name to keep an eye on as well. Uh, all right, we are going to take a quick timeout here on FST. And when we come back next, it's time for us to check out the FanDuel DFS site and give you some options today for those of you who are playing daily fantasy sports on FanDuel. And we'll be back with that coming up right after this quick break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig and Joe. Coming up in the second hour of the show, you'll want to stay tuned because we're going to get into a little fantasy football with Jen Ryan from Fantasy Football Die Hard. She'll be along with Joe in the show talking about some quarterbacks in 2020, very specifically some polarizing ones as well. Are you in on Cam Newton? Are you in on Baker Mayfield? Stay tuned because Jen and Joe will have that coming up for you in a little bit over about uh, about a half hour from now. Speaking of a half hour from now, we got day baseball. We got Major League Baseball going on today. Let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia for his report on the DFS side of baseball on FanDuel today. Joe? All right, so we're going to go and we're going to attack Masahiro Tanaka tonight for all of our GPP lineups. We're going to want him in there. Uh, look, it was a better outing last time out for him, but with Ronald Acuna's injury, uh, I, look, Tanaka could be a, a very risky pitcher at times, and that's why he's not a cash game guy. But I think Masahiro Tanaka is a guy you take the risk on tonight. Yes, it's a risk. It's probably not a single entry risk, but I think it's a multi-entry one too. Where without Ronald Acuna in this lineup, uh, I think the way the Yankees have been hitting, and again, Aaron Judge has been great. I think you can really go after and uh, get some shares of him tonight against an Atlanta lineup that's look struggling, and you know is on the mound tonight, and he's probably not long for this game. Zach Greinke is going to be taking on the San Francisco Giants tonight, and I think Greinke's basically been ramping up all this time. He's always been a guy that's kind of started slow, especially in spring training. So if he is ready to ramp up, I think him against the Giants tonight is definitely the way you want to go. I know it says SD on there, but it should be SF, uh, just so you know what you're doing and what you're getting into at 9.8 thousand. I think that this is a guy that you can rely on tonight for the win. And I understand there have been some injuries here. I know Altuve, no Springer. There's still plenty of bats in this lineup. And I know uh, they're looking here for a big start out of Granke, and I think he will show up there and hopefully help Craig's win total that he's looking for for the Giants kind of start to marginalize. Also tonight, Cody Bellinger, he's our big bat to pay off for 3.9K against San Diego, a good spot for him. And Gleber Torres at 2.7 against Atlanta. Again, that's just too, too good of a salary here. It's too cheap for a player who is just enormously talented. So eventually I think he's going to turn things around. I hopefully it starts tonight. Yeah, and Torres has been one of the bigger disappointments in fantasy. Basically a bona fide first, second round pick in a lot of drafts and has not delivered like some other players as well. That'll do it for our first hour. We'll recap all the top stories in fantasy when we come back next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.